Imagine if you and I had been there and the waters of the Red Sea splashing behind us. Nothing but the wide open spaces of freedom in front of us. And this God, who, the holy God, who's in a class by himself, and the people of God are invited to do life with him in context of community with each other. He would have to teach them or there's no way they would ever learn. And we continue this weekend in our series in Leviticus, Life with God. God's ABC book about holiness. Those first several weeks we looked at how sinful people approach a holy God. And this weekend we turn the corner. What does holiness look like, practically speaking? This weekend we pick up with the second half of the book. And we turn our attention today to personal holiness. What does holiness look like in people? The people of Israel are supposed to do life with God, but just imagine, they've been in slavery for 400 years. It's likely they didn't even know this God. The authority figures they would have known were taskmasters with whips in their hands. Pharaoh had grown fearful of them because they had grown so large and he had issued death warrants against their baby boys. But the God they hardly knew, the holy God, the one inviting them into relationship, he wasn't a taskmaster at all. He's a perfect father. He had heard their cries. He had seen their misery. And he longed for them to have life. Three years ago, my sister was here visiting from Florida, and one morning, she and I and my husband got our three kids, and we went out to go on a walk. And we had our boys in the double stroller. Our three-year-old daughter was proud to be independently walking along beside. We went where we always went in those days, to the spot in the neighborhood where a horse we had nicknamed Big Brown lived. And as we were positioning the stroller, my sister and I were enjoying how my kids were reacting to the snorts of this horse. Nick crossed the road to grab some tall grass to feed the horse, and before any of us knew what was happening, three-year-old Sarah ran into the road, and the alarm that went off was the screeching of car tires as she came within inches of losing her life. You can imagine how sickened Nick and I were as we grabbed her up in our arms, the fun was over, the kids were disappointed, and the adults were all very nauseous. We went home and Nick went to work, my kids went to nap, and I turned to my sister and I said, help me out here, how could I have handled that better? Cindy's kids were teenagers at the time and she was a far more experienced parent. And she explained to me, Sarah doesn't have the maturity to understand that running into traffic will get her killed. You should have been very scary. Sarah doesn't understand that running out there will get her killed, but she can't understand if she ever even thinks about it again, mommy will kill her. <laughs> we all understand the scenario. It's a parent's job to train their children to protect them from doing things that would get them killed. 
And the people of Israel have just been set free. Newfound freedom is the only thing they would see. And God speaks to them in Leviticus 18, 19, and 20. Yes, he lays down some law. Yes, he sets boundaries. Had he not done that, he'd be no better than a taskmaster with a whip in his hand. All of our scriptures this morning will be on the screen behind me, and we will cover a lot of ground. But as we begin, remember, he is holy, and he calls us to be holy. Chapter 18 begins this way. Then the Lord said to Moses, give the following instructions to the people of Israel. I am the Lord your God, so do not act like the people in Egypt where you used to live or like the people of Canaan where I am taking you. You must not imitate their way of life. You must obey all my regulations and be careful to obey my decrees, for I am the Lord your God. If you obey my decrees and my regulations, you will find life through them. I am the Lord God speaks to the people, and there would have been more than a million of them gathered at the time. And the first thing he says is, I am the Lord your God. Then he tells them, don't act like the people where you used to live, and don't act like the people where I'm taking you. Obey me. If you do, you'll find life. And then he says it again, I am the Lord. More than 20 times in these three chapters, God reminds his people who he is. Chapters filled with commands, yes, but take notice, his reason is never because I said so. God's identity is wrapped up in this because he's showing them the way to life. God is teaching them he's not Pharaoh. He's not intimidated by them because they've grown so large. He's not a taskmaster with a whip in his hand. I am the Lord. I am holy, he says. I am in a class by myself. I heard your cries. I saw your misery. And I stopped at nothing to rescue you. I pushed back the waters of the Red Sea and you walked across on dry ground. And then that very same water I used to swallow up your enemies. I am the Lord. I'm with you in the cloud, in the fire. I'm leading you through the wilderness. I'm providing for you, and I'm not requiring that you do any of this for yourselves. I'm here to teach you. I'm steering you away from death, and I'm giving you the way to life. And woven throughout all of the instruction is that repeated phrase about his identity. I am holy so you be holy. And he tells them what holiness will look like as they relate with him and as they relate with each other. Without any further introduction, he brings up some pretty intimate topics. A ghastly list of sexual perversion follows and we're not going to read it. We're a family-friendly place here. But the stuff God tells them not to do is unspeakable. It's horrific. The acts are destroyers of people. They're destroyers of relationship. And probably the people all around them were doing these things. But God forbids his people 
from doing them. To do these things would mean certain death. They would bring chaos and destruction. Let's remember what their camp would likely have looked like. God in the center, the tents all around, more than a million people. Now tell me, where would you hide? Are these things done in isolation that hurt no one? Are these things that are a personal choice between consenting adults? These weren't choices for God's people. He is clearly telling them, no, I am the Lord. You cannot do these things and live. When one of us as an individual is not becoming who God would have us to be, any other relationship we enter into, we bring less than to, whether it's family or community or beyond. They couldn't do these things and be holy. In the New Testament, Jesus even took sexual holiness further when he said that if you look at a woman with lust, you've already committed adultery in your heart. And at the end of chapter 18, God tells them this. All these detestable activities are practiced by the people of the land where I am taking you. And this is how the land has become defiled. So do not defile the land and give it a reason to vomit you out as it will vomit out the people who live there now. Whoever commits any of these detestable sins will be cut off from the community of Israel. So obey my instructions and do not defile yourselves by committing any of these detestable practices that were committed by the people who lived in the land before you. And then again he tells them, I am the Lord, your God. Chapter 18 begins and ends with God's identity. I am the Lord your God. These things will surely lead to death, but let me show you how to live. That day that my daughter ran out into the street, she had no idea it could kill her. It was in kindness that Nick and I needed to set boundaries for her. We loved her too much to even allow that she would ever experiment with it again. Our daughter had to be taught. You and I are now going to move on into chapter 19 and we'll look at a lot of relational categories, a lot of people. And each time God brings up another person or another group of people, he's drawing the people back to him. Here's who I am. And it's as if he's then sending them out to each other. He's teaching people to treat each other like he treats them. Chapter 19, verse 1. The Lord also said to Moses, give the following instructions to the entire community of Israel. You must be holy because I, the Lord your God, am holy. Each of you must show great respect for your mother and father, and you must always observe my Sabbath days of rest. I am the Lord your God. Do not put your trust in idols or make metal images of gods for yourselves. I am the Lord your God. In the midst of the hustle and bustle that would have made up community life, family life there in Israel, two priorities stood out. Learn respect for parents and learn a proper trust in the one true God. 
Imagine little Johnny growing up in this family life. And he goes off to high school, and he's confronted with every possible option. And Johnny has never known a time when he didn't realize that the cloud hovering over his camp was God Almighty. He's just always known that his family is a family of cloud followers. God is teaching his people that there is an order to things. And it goes something like this. I am the Lord, and everything else comes under that. In a setting like the family where God is trusted, children can practice obedience. They can learn. They can make mistakes where life and death are not yet hanging in the balance. They can learn how to be accountable to God, to parents. Not long after that day that our daughter ran into the street, obviously Nick and I knew we needed to shore up some of her training. And then it wasn't long before we launched her out into the driveway with sidewalk chalk for the first time. We told her, go no further than that on the sidewalk and no further than this. And completely independently, she went out into the world while we were peeking through the blinds, dying at what she might do. We watched, and she was okay for a while, and then some neighbor boys came out to shoot baskets, and we noticed her inching toward them. Then we noticed her talking to them. We decided to let it go and just see what would happen. So eventually, she came in, and we sat down for dinner, and as you can imagine, the conversation started, and Sarah said, I want you to know I told those boys I could not take any candy from them. Nick and I were feeling kind of creepy about those boys. And he said, well, sweetie, did they offer you candy? And she said, no, but I told him even if they did, I wouldn't take it. (laughs) Obviously, there's more to training children than refusing candy from the Salem Alliance neighbor boy. But imagine the family becoming this launching pad where holy people are raised up and sent into the world, respecting parents and trusting God. Tuck in times at our house, we sort of divide and conquer, and Nick and I take turns each night. One of us is with our boys and one of us is with our daughter, and then the next night we switch And for the past two or three weeks with my daughter, when it's my turn, she's in first grade and she's practicing penmanship and she and I have started something where she gets an envelope and I write a question that she can't see and then I give her the envelope and she writes an answer that I can't see and we trade back and forth. And I'll tell you, no matter what question I ask, she can bring it back around to why she believes she should get a dog or cat. But after we have worked through the dog or cat issues, right before I know it's time to turn out the light, I've been writing the same question. What are your thoughts about God tonight? And earlier this week, she handed the envelope back to me and she had written, I know God loves me and my family. And Friday night, 
she handed the envelope back to me and she had written, I know God will take care of me. As a parent, I could die happy tonight knowing that those beginning thoughts of God in her heart are right. People who go out into the world understanding who God is and their position underneath his care, this would become a distinguishing feature of God's people. Some of these million who were hearing this instruction had already raised their kids, and some of them weren't even old enough to raise kids. This is much more about learning a proper posture before God than it is anything to do with becoming a perfect parent or somehow producing perfect children. We're going to continue in chapter 19 and we'll see that for every bit of care and concern that God has for people, he wants people to have that same care and concern for each other. And before we continue, I'll pose the question to you. Maybe you might find out the Holy Spirit will highlight one or more of these relationships that he might be wanting to teach you about. Chapter 19, verse 9. When you harvest the crops from your land, do not harvest the grain along the edges of your fields and do not pick up what the harvesters drop. It is the same with your grape crop. Leave them for the poor and the foreigners living among you. I am the Lord your God. Even though it all belongs to you, don't keep it all for yourself. And his basis for telling them this is because I am the Lord, your God. Will you trust me so much that you're willing to plan ahead of time to share? There is not a person or a group of people who God is not concerned about. Verse 11, do not steal do not deceive or cheat one another. Don't bring shame on the name of your God by using it to swear falsely. I am the Lord. Do not defraud or rob your neighbor. Do not make your hired workers wait until the next day to receive their pay. Do not insult the deaf or cause the blind to stumble. You must fear your God. And again, he tells them, I am the Lord. God teaches them how to treat neighbors. He teaches employers how to treat employees. He explains that the people of God don't make life for the disabled harder than it already is. And then he says, I am the Lord. I am the Lord your God. And all of it is wrapped up in who he is. This could feel exhausting to us, but keep in mind, God is showing us how he treats us so that we might go out and treat others in that same way. He teaches them clearly to have a fair system of justice that doesn't swing to the poor or to the rich. He tells them not to spread gossip, not to have hatred in their hearts, to be upfront and direct with people if you're confronting someone, and to not seek revenge or bear a grudge. And then in 19, verse 18, he says, love your neighbor as yourself. Right there in the Old Testament, right there in the camp of Israel, hearts need to be changed. There is no way anyone 
can love anyone like they love themselves unless God would change the heart. And there's no limit as we continue to the importance that God places on right relationship between his people and himself and then among his people. 19 verse 32 Stand up in the presence of the elderly and show respect for the aged. Fear your God. I am the Lord. Do not take advantage of foreigners who live among you in your land. Treat them like native-born Israelites and love them as you love yourself. Remember that you were once foreigners living in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. Do not use dishonest standards when you measure length, weight, or volume. Your scales and weights must be accurate. Your containers for measuring dry materials or liquids must be accurate. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. This would have impacted each individual person in a different, specific way. For some, they needed to hear, be respectful of the elderly. For others, they needed to be called on to use Fair measurements. And then he said to them, treat foreigners the way you would have longed to be treated when you were trapped in Egypt. God has described in great detail how he wants people to treat each other. He is holy, so his people must be holy. Verse 37, you must be careful to keep all of my decrees and regulations by putting them into practice. And again, same thing, because I am the Lord. Whether it's obedience in sexual conduct or leaving grapes behind for the poor or respecting parents or treating employees well, whichever of God's commands, these were not just for the people to hear. These were things for the people to put into practice. These were the things God's people would live out. This is how God treats people. And this is how he wants his people to treat other people. I can claim I care for the poor, but it's proven when I share with them. You can claim you love your neighbor, but it's proven when you refuse to hold a grudge. And a holy business person is proven by the integrity that marks their business practice. Perhaps all of this, hearing it all, being confronted by it, perhaps they began to slink along, discouraged by their own failures. And right at that time, fully aware of their failure to be holy, God speaks to them in chapter 20, verse 8, Keep all my decrees by putting them into practice, for I am the Lord who makes you holy. God is the one who would transform his people. He would rescue them yet again. They would not be under the bondage of perfecting themselves, but he would make them holy. Imagine the collective sigh of more than a million people when they heard God set them free yet again. 
And then verse 26. You must be holy because I, the Lord, am holy. I have set you apart from all other people to be my very own. God is speaking all of these things to the people he dearly loves. From beginning to end, it's wrapped up in who God is and who he is is the God that always places relationship in a primary place. This is God talking and somehow he wants this relationship that he has with people to be what his chosen people will share with others. He is holy, he longs for them to be holy, and he will make them holy. Think with me for a minute. Israel's camp there in the wilderness and a caravan from some far off place travels by and they stop in to water their camels and they meet this crazy group of people that are in a class by themselves. There's no sexual perversion. These people don't lie. They don't cheat. They don't hold grudges. They leave crops behind for the poor. Their system of justice is fair to everyone. The elderly, the immigrant, the disabled are all respected in this community. Children respect parents, and everyone is learning their proper position before holy God. These people would become a beacon to the rest of the world. And that God, who is holy, who is in a class by himself, when that caravan comes traveling by, and those weary, burdened, wandering people, those who are steeped in sin, those who have relationship agonies, those who are lost, when they wander into Israel's camp, the holy God can say to them, come and see what I'm doing in the lives of my people. God is holy, and his love for us is also in a class by itself. And he's calling us to be holy, and he will make us holy.